We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Danny and Dusty. All right. My rock smashes your scissors. Oh, no, not these scissors, pal. What? <laughs> With the latest on the Blazers, Ducks, Beavers, and the hottest topics in sports. Hey, what's happening, Norm? It's a dog-eat-dog world, Sammy, and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080, The Fan. All right, hour number two, Danny and Dusty. We've got uh, Bradford William Davis, who is the investigator reporter for Inside, uh, Insider.com, and he will join us at one fifteen, about 12 minutes from now, uh, to talk about a, a report that he had, a joint report investigating some more funny business in baseball. Um, Yankee fans, you're going to want to listen to this one. Definitely Yankee fans. Definitely Yankee fans. <laughs> yep. Um, but where we got to start this hour, and oh, by the way, hour number three, we will dive into uh, Mike Leach. We got some audio of Mike Leach. Uh, we're going to remember uh, Mike Leach, who died at the age of 61. Uh, uh, one of the most innovative minds in college football history. I mean, uh, he took offense to a completely another level, and you see the effects of it at every single level of football. Uh, we'll talk Mike Leach in hour number three. But right now, we got some meat on the bone from week 14 in the National Football League. We talked a lot yesterday, Danny, about Justin Herbert's 39 for 51 night for 367 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. It was historic in several ways, including we talked about yesterday his 70% completion percentage with 50 or more attempts and no interceptions. Mm-hmm. He actually also broke a tie with Patrick Mahomes. He is now the only player in NFL history to throw for 300 yards with no interceptions 10 or more times before turning 25 years old. That is crazy to think about. Also, his one touchdown, he joined an elite elite class. Only he and Dan Marino have thrown for 90 or more touchdowns in their first three seasons in the NFL. He's got 10 more touchdowns, and he'll be the only player ever to throw for 100 touchdowns in his NFL career. In the first three years Good of his Lord. NFL career. Yeah. Dan Marino at 98. So, Herbert, Emmanuel Acho, you took a big L. Now it's a historic L with Justin Herbert. He's good, man. Imagine if he had his wide receivers every game. Imagine that. There was, a, I'll, I'll follow this up, uh, a, a little bit of a note from PFF. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are the number one team in the NFL with support grade, meaning rushing, receiving, pass block, run block, win rates. They have a grade of 80, 81.3 support for Jalen Hurts, which is propping up Jalen Hurts, but... Jalen Hurts is also delivering. The team with the lowest 
rating in the NFL. 32nd at 61.4. Los Angeles Chargers. Meaning Justin Herbert is getting the lowest graded, least effective help between rushing, receiving, pass block, and run block win rates in the NFL. Doing more with less. That that is incredible to think about. Um, all right, you mentioned Hurts, the Eagles, forty-eight twenty-two win over the Giants, clinched them a playoff spot. Um, it's the third time the Eagles have clinched with four or more games remaining in the season. The only other times they've done it this early, they have played Super- for a Super Bowl. Yeah, I knew that was coming. But here's why there is meat on the bone. Mm, go on. The first time they did it was in 1980-81. Do you know what happened that year? They lost to the <laughs> Raiders in the Super Bowl. And the Raiders! The only other time they've done it was the 0-4-0-5 season where they lost to the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a stat tailored just for just us. Just for us. Love that it. That was just for us. Love it. <laughs> so... Um, I think what we can deduce here is there, they'll is lose that the Jaguars? they are going to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars Wow! this year in the Super Bowl because like that's it. Jeff Russ' favorite team. It is. I listen. What now the Jags just got to get to the playoffs for God's sake. What if I could figure out how to you know, somewhat accurately predict the outcomes of their games? Well, here's all, you know how we do it? <sighs> all you have to do is bet against the Jags the rest of the way, and they'll obviously win. They'll win every game. I did bet against them. And they won. I, and they won. Oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah. No, I want to win. This is about my pride. Oh, okay. yeah. No, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You I can't do, do that. Well, continuing on with young Wrong. quarterbacks, since week nine, this quarterback has had the best completion percentage and the second highest quarterback rating in that time. So over the last now, what, six weeks? Okay. Who is that quarterback? Say okay. Give me this stats. Number one in completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Number two in rating. Okay. Number one in deep ball efficiency and effectiveness. Who is this quarterback? God, I want to. Uh, Joe Burrow seems too obvious. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go to the guy where every time I just turn on my TV, it just seems like he's just chucking up bombs, mm-hmm. and I'm, I feel happy in my stomach. And I'm going to go Jared Goff. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor effing Lawrence. Trevor good for Lawrence. Him. The Jaguars. Good for him. See, that makes me feel good, too. He, is the, he has arguably been the most effective and best quarterback in football since week nine. All right. Good for good for Trevor Lawrence. Pretty nutty when you think about it. Because, again, where, where he came from yeah. over the last two years, <laughs> you were starting to see the elite-level quarterback play show up. Look what can happen when you get a good quarterback-friendly coach. It looks, it looks it's what happens when, when you get a coach that's not, that's not Urban, Urban Meyer. Meyer. <laughs> I think that's really the moral of the story. Really good point, guys. Two really good points. I got uh, two Detroit Lions uh, pieces for you. The first one. Uh, they beat the Vikings 34-23, which we all know. Uh, it, it not only kept their playoff hopes live, but unveiled Minnesota as the frauds that they are. Um, it was also the fifth game in a row Detroit has scored 25 or more points. Five games in a row at 25 points. Do you know the last time the Lions franchise accomplished that feat? Five games of 25 or more points. <laughs> 1954. <laughs> 
I was I, almost going to guess never, like, but we are not, like this is we are so far. That's 16 years before the merger. <laughs> We're so far away from 1954, and that is the last time that they had five games in a row where they scored 25 points. That's not a gigantic feat. Like that is not something that you, is like, oh my god, that's so hard to do. No, it's the Lions make it that hard to do. Again, championship correlation. Last time they did it, they played for the NFL championship, and they lost to the Browns. Listen, I love it, and I'm in keeping with the Lions. It's not a stat. It's okay. not a number. Yep. It's not anything other than a quote mm-hmm. from Panay Sewell about Dan Campbell. Yes. This from Panay Sewell following their win. Dude's got some nuts on him, bro. Like, it's as simple as that. That's Panay Sewell, Panay Sewell on Dan Campbell. I think everything there checks out. Love it. Yeah. Linemen need to do more interviews. No, listen. When we were at Pac-12 Media Day, every time we saw an offensive lineman come up, we were like, yes. Yeah. Linemen are the best interviews. Always. Because they're dirty. They're dirty, dirty humans. They're grimy people. And I love them. Every minute of them. All right. uh, Brock Purdy became uh, the first quarterback to beat Tom Brady while making his first career NFL start. 6-0 6-0 and Brady was heading into that game. He's now 6-1. and How good was Brock Purdy? He had a quarterback rating of 134 Sunday. Like, that's incredible. It's 152.4 really is max? Yeah. Uh, 154.2. One, uh, it's one of those two. 158.3? Yep. That's okay, it. that's it. That's the one. Yep. Check out the big braid on Rust. <laughs> Way to go, Rust. I'm bad. Even though he threw for 185 yards. But he had a really high quarterback rating. To put that in perspective... And this is how good the teams have been that Tom Brady's been on, and we forget about that. Um, the combined quarterback rating for the other quarterbacks making their first start against Brady is 79.1. So Brock Purdy was spectacular compared to everything that Tom Brady has seen by first-time starters in the NFL. Um, I have one more note from that game. I mentioned yesterday Donovan Smith. He's good for a, a penalty. I actually found a penalty stat about Donovan Smith. Go on. He had a holding penalty on the 68-yard touchdown on the opening drive. Uh-huh. Uh, Mike Evans wiped off the board. That was his ninth penalty of the year. That doesn't sound like a lot, right? But if you go back to the final drive of the uh, previous week mm-hmm. against the Saints, <laughs> where he wiped it touchdown off the board due to a penalty, and mm-hmm. then they went and they scored the very next play. Donovan Smith had three penalties in 13 minutes of game play, and two touchdowns were taken off the board. Good lord. <laughs> offensive linemen do not want to be mentioned at all. No. You, you want to be anonymous. And if, Don- if they've said your name, it's either because you got a penalty or you gave up a sack. He wiped two touchdowns off of the board for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in two consecutive drives. Oof. That is that's that's brutal, dude. That's real brutal. Um, we will have to wait for Dan Campbell audio, which we do have. We will play that uh, at the end of this hour. But we must stay on the clock because the clock is important when we have a guest. And coming up next, uh, I, I think y'all are going to enjoy this interview. Bradford William Davis, he's an investigative reporter for Insider.com. Um, it, the report that he dove into most recently about Major League Baseball up to more funny business, um, well, he will join us next. This is Danny Dusty on The Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. Here we go. Dusty on the fan. 118, Danny and Dusty with you. Joining us now, we are very pleased to have the investigative reporter for Insider.com, Bradford William Davis, kind enough to take a few minutes for us. How you doing, man? Thanks for taking the time out of your day. Yo, uh, Danny, really, really uh, happy to be here. Thank you. All right. Um, I guess where we're going to start, you had an awesome piece up at Insider.com. We have linked to it um, on at Danny and Dusty on Twitter if you want to go and you want to look at it. But you teamed up with Meredith Willis um, to dive into (laughs) what seems to be a problem going away in Major League Baseball. Um, I remember Rob Manfred talking about uh, how... Baseballs will be consistent in 2022. Uh, and what uh, you and Meredith Willis kind of uh, dove into was whether or not that was accurate or not. Uh, on the on the surface, and the article goes into such great detail, we could sit here all day and I don't know if we're going to get through all of the details. <laughs> but on the surface, what did you and Meredith find when you were looking at baseballs across Major League Baseball? Yeah, so to very quickly set the stage, last year in our investigation for Insider as well, which you can read, um, we basically found that Major League Baseball had been using two different balls, using and manufacturing balls in the 2021 season, as well as, uh, for that matter, too, that was rated. Uh, basically, so uh, one was uh, heavier than the other, and the way that uh, heavy, you know, the way that the Major League Baseball had created the heavy and light ball, um, you know, would uh, result in performance changes based on, on you know, um, which ball you get. Heavier, heavier meaning, like, you know, if it travels further off the track of the bat. So uh, that's something we found in 2021. MLB was like, yeah, we did it, but it was because of COVID. Like, you know, <laughs> the, the, the juke ball, seriously, that was the, I'm giving a, a paraphrase, but that was the answer Rob Manfred gave me this summer. It's like, yeah, it's because of COVID, supply chain, yada, yada. That's why all these, uh, you know, leftover juice balls had to, had to appear in 2021. Anyway, we still found some of those in circulation, as well as the dead ball, the deader ball, the lighter ball that MLB has um, committed to you know, in some of their public comments since Meredith and I have been working on this. But uh, what we also found was a ball about one gram heavier than the dinner ball. Remember, the way Major League Baseball adjusts baseball, um, you know, a uh, lifting it, making it heavier does make it, you know, travel, does make the ball travel farther. Anyway, so that one gram heavier ball, we're calling it the Goldilocks ball because it's kind of like right in the middle between dead and juice. So not too heavy, not too light, not too dead, not too juice. You know what I'm saying? Just right. And, uh, and we found... We, you know, we, we found, a, you know, a, about 18%, 20% of our, of our balls this year, the largest sample we ever had uh, totally of the season, which included the playoffs, were, you know, fit in this category. And not only that, the same methodology that we used to find two different baseballs and show that it wasn't just random variation, but actually they were making, you know, heavy balls one week, light balls the next, and, and those production weeks didn't overlap. We found the same thing. These Goldilocks balls that were all made in different weeks that did not overlap with the dead ball. So, so uh, you know, that was kind of the finding we, we found this year. Um, the week has a position, but the data is the data. Wow. In layman's terms, 
Can you describe what the difference is between these basically three sets of balls, the Goldilocks balls, the dead balls, and the juice balls? How much more efficiency or less efficiency, what real change is there between these balls? Because... In full disclosure, Dusty over here is an Astros fan, so he's a big fan of cheating. Yep. Um, Not a fan of the cheating. Uh, <laughs> have, have come to just like accept it. And there, there's, there certainly feels to be with the way Major League Baseball has handled this situation, or not handled it publicly or privately, that there is a level of efficiency gained or lost depending on the higher end, low end, or the the supposed Goldilocks balls. Like what differences are we actually talking about fundamentally? <laughs> well, you know, I can't speak to the exact sort of like distance between a Goldilocks ball, a dead ball, and a juice ball hit exactly the same way. Like that is something that is above my pay grade and require like, you know, a lab dispatch. But what I can say is that the construction of the ball was changed in a way that's consistent with making it less dead, you know, referring to the Goldilocks ball, making it less dead off the bat. So um, so when you factor in that when Major League Baseball has, you know, again, explicitly said the, you know, the lighter ball, a.k.a. the dead ball, is the one that we are committing to, these balls that we found that were a gram heavier, you know, are juice relative to that dead ball. So have you found out kind of how the distribution took place then because of the fact that, I mean, you mentioned three different balls in circulation. They're all kind of different. How was there rhyme or reason to where these balls were distributed to um, as far as, you know, were, were they American League, National League? How, how was the distribution of the three different balls placed throughout Major League Baseball? Well, I guess first of the important, the important disclaimer, our you know our, our our study can't be completely representative because we haven't you know we don't have baseballs in every single park. Mm-hmm. Uh, Major League Baseball is a part of that, <laughs> which which I'm sure we'll get to in our conversation. But you know we get what we can, we get them from where we can get them. But what we found was that there did appear to be some sort of relationship between the, where the Goldilocks ball was found. That was not true in last year's study. Last year, it's, you know, there was no like you know signal in the noise as far as where juice or dead balls are going, right? At least, at least within our sample. This year, what we found was that um, in the regular season, almost every single ball uh, used was dead except for balls we found uh, connected to the Yankees games. Um, like that, and that was, you know, pretty odd. And, of course, there's some, some qualifiers there. Like we found that commemorative balls are commemorative stamps, so whether that's All-Star Game, Home Run Derby, or say like the Texas Rangers celebrating the 15th anniversary, so they have some balls that have stamps on them as well. You know, uh, we found that a few of those also were, you know, were in were Goldilocks weights and Goldilocks weeks, but you know, production weeks. But yeah, the as far as unmarked, unstamped balls, almost you know, and not almost every single one of them was dead, except for ones we found, you know, uh, with the Yankees. So anecdotally, one could say that when you're looking at anniversary balls or the Yankee balls, where you're talking about, I don't know potentially juicing some sort of attention around something, uh, whether it be an anniversary or, I don't know, Aaron Judge. That could be something that popped know, up, Aaron huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is, which is, you know, admittedly one of the reasons why we found, we found it notable. Obviously not conclusive, but notable, mm-hmm. right, given that, uh, you know, that the data shows quite, quite clearly that the Yankees were a team that was hitting off of a, of a ball that, um, you know, in, is likely to travel further than the ball that MLB says is, is the ball that they've been used. You know, 
So that was, you know, that, that is notable and important. Obviously, we, I cannot say that, you know, Aaron Judge or any of his 62 home runs were Goldilocks, you know, Goldilocks balls, but his team certainly received them and certainly played with them. And then uh, one, one other addendum to that as well is that in the postseason, we found a significant change, at least within our, within our sample, of what balls are being used where almost every ball we got was Goldilocks, you know, rather than, you know, um, it being mostly dead like it was in a regular season. So, uh, so that was another, you know, big finding that we had this year that, again, we did not have any sort of data with which to, you know, illustrate or represent last year. Now, I mean, one of the things that you mentioned before and is, is outlined in the – in the uh, research that you guys have done is that whether it's all-star week or commemorative balls or those postseason balls, those are, the, those are all kind of, they have something stamped on them. Is the weight difference, is it as much as just a stamp or are you talking the core within the ball is where the weight difference is, is found? Right. That, that it's, it's not about the stamp that, you know, the, the stamp has, the, the stamp is uh, purely aesthetic. It is, you know, but it's what's happening on the inside. That uh, that counts, right? And that's uh, changes to the, the to the to the to the winding within inside the baseball that leads to heavier or lighter baseballs. Okay, follow up on that one then is. I mean, what has baseball's reaction been? Because um, this is something, and it appears to be a, a problem and a story that just won't go away. Which is, you have a variety of baseballs that are in play in different ballparks. Man, it's a, I, I would love to know to to, to uh, know the conversations going on in the commissioner's office, but I'll tell you what they told us, and that was that uh, you know basically our, our you know our, it was completely wrong, uh, and that they you know and that there's only one baseball that they manufactured anything that falls outside of you know um, the ball that MLB is, as in the past described as the ball they want to use is purely random variant. Again, but again, the data is the data. We found differences depending on the week that you were, the week of the production date that you were looking um, at a baseball, you know, like a manufacturing date. So that is, you know, so there is that that is that is systematic. That's one thing. And the second thing is what they provided to us, along with the comments straight from the commissioner's office, um, was, you know, a uh, excuse me, a, you know, we're a couple of sci- a couple of researchers rather in uh, MLB's partner labs, one in the University of Washington, one in uh, University of Massachusetts, Massachusetts Lowell. You know, people who have been studying the ball in conjunction with Major League Baseball for the last few years. And so, and both of them said that, you know, based on our studies, we see no evidence of uh, multiple balls, certainly not a third. Um, I actually went and clarified with one of the, one of the researchers as, as to the methodology because, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're just talking science, right? I got no ego about this. And so I was like, so can you explain, can you explain the methodology that you guys uh, use with which to, you know, determine what was what, right? And, and, and what, what data you were researching. And for the most part, they said, hey, we can't comment on it until Major League Baseball gives us approval. <laughs> they said, you know, uh, the researcher over at, at UMass will, you know, uh, I was like, I'll, I'll get back, you know, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to you from the league or whatever. I'll get, maybe maybe the committee gave back to me to say, you look into it. I haven't heard back from him yet. Mm. But one thing that he did share that was really important was that the, um, was that they did not study postseason baseball. And that's really, you know, again, that's crucial because, Half of our Goldilocks sample came from the postseason. Mm. So, so the data. So basically, what he admitted was that the data that that Major League Baseball, you know, and them were studying is just is different than the, than the uh, data that Meredith Wills was studying. And if you're gonna go get different data, of course you're gonna get different results. I, I'm just, I, I just I, I find it hard to find to, to see how you would you know get the same findings. And you know, and, and I would imagine that you would want to try and replicate the methodology to see if it's true or not. 
But what Major League Baseball did instead was knowing that our study was looking at different information, they still denied it and used science, you know, or quote-unquote science, <laughs> to, uh, to back it up. There's something in here that early on in the article uh, that was really, really interesting to me. It, and it kind of shapes the entire discussion around this, considering where MLB is at in analytics, uh, being kind of at the forefront of bringing in astrophysicists and, and rocket scientists and, and, and high-level thinkers in the world who are dealing with spin rates, launch angles, exit velocities, all of this hardcore math. And Alan Nathan, who a, was a league commission physicist, the quote you guys have in here is, he said the specs on Major League Baseball, they almost don't deserve to be called specs. They're so loose that the range of performance from the top end to the bottom end is so different. How is it in a world in baseball, and I don't know if you guys have asked this question, that those requirements, that those specs are so far apart in a sport where measurement is so, so key when you're talking about whether it's dealing directly with pitching or with hitting. My guy, I'm glad you said that. The, uh, the rules, the, the Major League Baseball rules are broad enough that you can have three different baseballs that do three different things, and they're all legal. Um, again, <laughs> this is you insane. Know, many, people, <laughs> many people, especially players, who call that, you know, have often called, told me that's problematic, that's, that's, a, that's a real issue. Because, you know, uh, you are changing the statistical environment with which baseball is played and or which, you know, they make their money off of. Front office workers have told me that's problematic as well. You know, especially without, you know, especially without any sort of disclosure, which is what, you know, every front office executive I spoke to told me uh, was that they didn't hear anything about any sort of manufacturing or process changes here. Um, uh, and so, uh, you know, that's, uh, that is arguably something that could, you know, that maybe could be a way of really getting, getting past this is just by simply tightening the sex. So that, like, you know, um, truly you have, like, one baseball that can be used. Um, otherwise, you know, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's even still defensible, and this is just my opinion here, for Major League Baseball to want to try and search for a baseball that does what, it, what they want it to do. You know, whether, whether, they, want, whether they find it, the, the league becoming too offensive pitching heavy. So long as you're disclosing it to every person who has their or industry that has a financial stake in, um, in how the baseball forms. And there are many industries that do. Well, uh, Bradford, surely if everything is on the up and up with Major League Baseball, they they wouldn't mind one bit if you guys had the help of some players in this study, right? Yeah, but you know, um, obviously, I, I got you know I had to be, be super careful with my sources here. Um, but like you know, but one person who did speak speak to this was actually Austin Slater. He's an outfielder in the San Francisco Giants and starting outfielder, um, and a good player who's you know um, also a, a leader in the union. He found out about our article last year. He wanted to help out. Um, he uh, reached out to Dr. Wills, and he was on route to sending some baseballs to her uh, so that she could have, again, the most complete, robust sample of, of, uh, of data with which he was to do, do a study again. Uh, when she, um, you know, sorry, rather, when, you know, as it gets, this is happening, uh, somehow Major League Baseball found out. They uh, reached back out to him, and they told him, uh, hey, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, please read the article, don't give baseballs to, 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 to Meredith. Uh, we don't really trust our science here. Uh, trust our labs are better. And uh, by the way, if uh, we find baseball is getting sent out to, I guess, illicit, illicit uh, you know, third parties, uh, we, you know, may fire people. <sighs> and so he was like, all right, well, message received. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And so we actually did not get any baseballs from the Giants, save for one that Meredith happened to be at a, at a Giants game and, and the guy next to her 
caught the caught a ball like a foul ball or something like that <laughs> and uh, gave it to her. Uh, and so uh, that was like the only that was the only San Francisco Giants day that we got all year. Um, you know, so that was disappointing. Uh, but I think it is quite you know I think it illuminates a problem, which is again, which is again about disclosure. The one of the last questions I've got for you is the the specificity of the Goldilocks balls and when they were produced. There's there's this line because they're, they're all batch coded, and the fact that the you could trace back to when basically all these Goldilocks balls are made, and they're all basically made around the same time period. That has to elicit at least more than a dozen more questions about the process and where things are at, because if they're all being done in this, essentially the same batches or same time span, Major League Baseball has to be aware, don't they? You know, you would think, man. I mean, um, <laughs> and that's a, I think that's the beautiful that's that, that's the beauty of Doctor Wood's methodology is that it's not just weight. So you can't just say like, oh, we, we, we're, we are very bad at making baseballs, which is why you, get, why you see all this variance. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but that you see, like, you know, one weight this week and, and, you know, one weight average, I should say, this week, and another weight average that week, and yet a third <laughs> of these other weeks uh, when you go back to that juice ball that you see manufactured and is you know, apparently not anymore, but still. Um, that is, you know, that's, that's the beauty of the methodology, and, and, and one of the things that we actually have to build some reporting on is some of the logistics of how baseballs are delivered um, and uh, not only uh, not only how they delivered, but uh, but the reports back to the league. Uh, I spoke to you know someone you know to a source who was familiar with how uh, game compliance monitors. Those are the people who make sure no one's like sticky stuffing or sign stealing or anything like that. Um, they um, they send a there, there is a code on uh, the red Rollins boxes that you know that get shipped to teams. Uh, you know, and it's unique to that box. And they what they do is they send that box back to Major League Baseball so that Major League Baseball knows, um, you know, what balls were, were used before a game starts. So, I mean, to me, though I have not personally cracked that code, it, seems, it at least suggests some level of information about what baseball is being played before a game starts. Wow. Bradford William Davis, investigative reporter for Insider.com. Uh, go check it out. We have tweeted it out at Danny and Dusty mm-hmm. on our socials at 1080 The Fan. And also go give him a follow. It is uh, at BWD, BWD, BWD. <laughs> that is a mouthful of a Twitter handle, but uh, we're getting it done. Man, this is it, it's in, in awesome to follow. It's I incredible do work. hours of this. Like, yeah, this this is right up my nerd alley. And you have <laughs> you have probably pissed off Rob Manfred more than you'll ever know. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the time. Hey, yeah, Rob, Rob knows what my number is, man. If you want to, you want to hash it out, you know, hit the DMs. You, you <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Let's do it again soon. Anytime, anytime. There he is, Bradford William Davis. Look, that all of that just makes me uh, sit back and I go. Makes me want to throw things at Manfred. Well, I, I go, all right, now I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on and be like, all right, where else are we going with this? Because w- when this report came out, I, I read you all those tweets from Ryan Spader, yeah. right? Where he and was I like. Dug into this and it was like, whoa. Where Spader was calling the shots on how, he's like, back in March, he's like, we will, they are using different balls. We will see different balls out there. By by late August, we will be talking about Aaron Judge in, in chasing the home run record. And the balls are going to be part of this. Like it, Spader had all of this down. Like, months in advance. Yes. You know, you know what all Spader was saying? He goes, if you think, when the Astros thing came out, he goes, if you think they're the only team, you're wrong. 
And this, and, and this, this is, is like I sit there and this is where my head goes. This is a bigger conspiracy. This is if it if it is indeed true, and I mean, this looks like it is. This is Major League Baseball endorsing the Yankees. Oh, man. And well, yeah, it's a I mean, cash cow for. But it. I mean, that's yeah, that's funny, man. Well, I mean, that's violating the game kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you want to you want to talk about taking care of the game? If that stuff is actually like, if it turns. Because while they may not have the ability in their lab or their testing to te- yeah. to change or to check that stuff, there's somebody out there that does. And if they start stumbling into this stuff and they find out the efficiency was juiced by like six percent or something yeah. at Yankee games, you don't think that that impacted over a hundred and sixty four games? Yeah, I mean, here's here's the thing. This texture says I'm never betting on baseball again. No, I'm betting the overs on Yankee games and yeah. postseason games. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> That's what I'm learning right here. I mean, this is like moving the three-point line in by like a foot type stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. like if you took all those long twos and turned them into threes, you take all those off-the-wall doubles and turn them into home runs. And it is scientifically proven that a heavier ball carries more, goes farther. That's good. This is this I is wonder going what these... to be. My whole problem with Major League Baseball is like if they were just honest and they were to say, hey, Look, we don't know, like, we can't make sure Rob Manfred, me personally, is checking every single core of every single ball coming out. Mm -hmm. And is there variance? There probably is from batch to batch. And you're going to allow for that in And I'm okay with it. Yeah. But, like, we're okay with it. They need to be tightened up. Like, if if either either tighten it up or just be honest with the people and say we can't control it because they can't. But you want to know why they will never throw Rawlings, the manufacturer of the balls, under the bus? Why? Because the owner of the San Diego Padres owns Rawlings. Oh, right. <laughs> and if you're wondering where he's getting all this money, apparently it's hush money it's from, to, the Yankees. from the Yankees. <laughs> no. no. Brian no, no, Cashman no, no. is actually yeah. Brian Bagman it's, as it's, he's handling cash from the Yankees to the Padres. It's wild, man. And it's uh, it's, it's so on brand for baseball. If, if there are two things that are synonymous, it is baseball and controversy they thrive hand in, in hand. off-season controversy and here we are yet again uh bradford william davis if you haven't read it uh, really it's a it's a it's a long read but it's it's entertaining and um basically yet three types of baseballs major league baseball's using it's insane juice ball still out there, there there's dead a ball and then the new york yankees get their goldie yeah it's weird balls. and uh hmm. the article starts and it, go read the article like it's it's it's, yeah. it's a long read it is a long read, but if you are a baseball person or if you're a stats nerd like me, this stuff is so interesting to me. I, I could literally talk to him for hours about this. Yeah. But it opens up with a line from Justin Verlander in 2017 going up to an umpire and yelling, when are you guys going to fix the bleeping baseballs? That's one of your Hall of Fame first ballot pitchers, yeah. one of your dudes for the last 20 years, yeah. flat out saying, why is it that when I go out in the first and I come back out in the third, I'm throwing different baseballs? What the hell? Verlander complaining in 2017, probably not the best year for him to be doing that. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But the fact that we're talking about this five years later yeah. is mildly problematic at yeah, best. I would say. I would say. I would say. All right. Uh, surprisingly, this is not the worst day on the web. That's after Astro Sports Center. Woo!
time for today's worst day on the web with Danny and Dusty on Odyssey and 1080 The Fan. Oh, really? Yeah, this worst day of the web kind of has that Mariah Carey feeling to it. You're just like, Ugh, that sucks. Kyler Murray, officially done for the year and out indefinitely. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when he comes back. Torn ACL for Kyler Murray. And now Colt McCoy uh, is the man behind center for the Arizona Cardinals. That's a tough break for Kyler Murray. But it also is, like, worst day on the web because now it's getting dragged as, like, you just gave this guy the extension, and here it is with his first real big injury. And if you take his mobility away from him even a little bit, how much does that diminish Kyler Murray? What makes him special, right? And, I mean, with with the way ACLs are now, typically, especially at his age, you're okay. And, in fact, you can get back to exactly or even better than you were, which is – crazy to think how that's transformed over the last 20 years i was gonna make a joke about how he has more time to play call of duty which he does he does and i bet you he will get his gaming in mm-hmm. but this just adds to the complete s show and we talked about this mm-hmm. i i don't care about the cardinals but i inserted myself like into the cardinals if, if i worked for them when that deal was announced and i remember we were still over at the old studios right after i started and I remember looking at you going, why the hell would you give him this deal right now, a year early, considering what the last two years have been? Yeah. From his side, this. From the Cardinal side, no idea. Well, And it's just the business. It's the way that the business is operating now. It's the way that the league is when you have a quarterback. When you're smart as a team, you don't. <laughs> commit earlier than you have to yes but name a team that hasn't the ravens the ravens with lamar jackson that is more due to they feel like hey you want to go roll that dice you go roll that dice but I, and you go ahead and do it if you're the now Cardinals, if lamar jackson leaves how do the ravens look then because but they, but they they're, going to, they're going to tyler huntley and they're going to, but there you go. They're not in a. They're not not going to be anywhere close to window. The Cardinals, believe it or not, thought that they were in a window. And look at their roster. It appears that they should be. Look at every single weapon that they have. Whether they did, it is they DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins, Hopkins. Yeah. you have uh, James Conner. You've got Robbie Anderson now. Mm-hmm. Zach Ertz at tight end. You felt like with JJ Watt on your defense, you were going to be in a good place. They have been ravaged by injuries yet again. And poor they coaching and are poor, poor poorly coached. Yeah. And they felt like they were in that window where you're going, all right, instead of taking the franchise tag lump, we are going to figure this thing out, give ourselves a little bit of flexibility moving forward because uh, also they didn't, they're going to be in cap hell because of the fact that they had to build this roster. They couldn't afford to really do it any other way because they pushed all in and said, <laughs> we feel like we're close and, uh, it's backfiring. So, yeah, they're a bad franchise. It, they are. Cardinals continue the, to They be continue bad. to be a bad – because they jumped the gun. Yeah. They they skipped a step. Because Kyler never showed even even what Lamar has shown. Yeah. That's the thing is – and Kyler obviously is the better quarterback than Lamar when we're talking about 
a guy who can win you a game yes. with his arm. The better football player is Lamar. Yes, yeah. clearly. Yeah. But all of the extraneous stuff. <sighs> now you're. This is like taking chili that was already like, hmm, that's a little too spicy, and then throwing the ghost pepper in it. And be like, how about now? How <laughs> you like me now? Because that's what this is now. Because now you've. What, you're going to fire the coach because he's got a, a quarterback who's down for a year? Yeah. Because, oh, no. listen, Tyler's not going to be back until Halloween. Earliest. Uh, that's just the nature of this beast. Yeah. So he's going to miss, what, six weeks, seven weeks of next season? Eight weeks? Yeah. Half the season? Maybe you do fire the coach. <laughs> Maybe you do. I mean, like, this, this, is the, but, this yeah. is the fork in the road, right? Like, because if you don't fire him now, right. you can't go into next season and then fire him halfway through the season. Mm. I mean, you can, but then you're but then you're a poorly run franchise. I never understand which the Arizona Cardinals exactly. Ding 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 ding. Yep. I never understand teams who come into the season with a coach on a hot seat. Yeah, just rip the band off. Just no, get rid of them. Move on. Yep. I just it, that kind of stuff blows my mind. And if it's clearly not working, get it done and over. And it's always a, it's, it ends up being about money one way or another. But. But if it's not your guy, whether it's the coach or the quarterback, figure it out. What went through Dan Campbell's mind when he saw Penny Sewell make a catch? Next on The Fan. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080 The Fan. All right, coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to talk uh, Mike Leach's impact on the game of football, plus uh, take a stroll down memory lane as the old ball coach passed away yesterday, age of 61 years old. Uh, Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach um, passing away due to complications with a heart issue is what the school is calling it. Um, but to end hour number three, or two, and send you into hour number three, Penny Sewell had a nine-yard reception on Sunday. Yes, he did, technically. And when he caught that ball, he kind of stumbled forward and, boom, got a first down on third and seven. It was huge for the Detroit Lions. Uh, you have to be wondering, what was going through Dan Campbell's head as all of this was going on? He went on the Pat McAfee show, and he let the world know exactly what was going through Dan Campbell's mind in the way only Dan Campbell can. Here's another thing that happened. These things happen during the game, but um, so we're in that that situation, and the fans are doing the wave um, around the stadium, and so I'm just watching, and I hear Ben Johnson's like, "Hey, coach, you want to?" And I, and I'm just, I'm so focused on the wave, and I said, "Yeah, that's fine." And I look up, and we're throwing it to Panay, and I'm like, "What?" The- But it worked out great. Um, It was unbelievable. Listen, we knew it would be wide open. We worked the heck out of it. We've seen him run the reps. We've seen him flip his hips. He's got soft hands. And the only thing thing I was worried about, and I want to make sure golf got to him, is make sure you stay in bounds. Stay in bounds, stay in bounds. And he was great. What an awesome anecdote of what, is going through a coach's mind during the game. He said he's watching the wave go on in Ford Field instead of watching Penne Sewell. And he looks up and he's like, what the? <laughs> How did fantastic. this happen? I love it. I love every second of Dan Campbell. And I'm so glad they're having success, too. It, that is fun to see. Because it, first, the whole bite the kneecaps thing, you're like, 
this is kind of like Sirianni, mm-hmm. right? You're like, oh, th- what is it? What, what the hell is this? Yep. And it turns out the the fun and the joy is kind of leaking down, and the Lions, dare I say, are not a badly run franchise now. I, they're poorly owned. Okay. Yeah. Not not poorly run. Not poorly coached any yeah. on offense. Yeah. Yeah. So getting there. Getting better. On better the than the Cardinals. Teams. Better than the Cardinals. There you go. Better mm. than the Cardinals. One. And they have build off this from from trading Matthew oh Stafford. Oh my god. Yeah. And they can get even more if they trade uh, that LA pick. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. All right. 503-250-1080 is the fan tech sign. Uh, the Blazers in conversations on the trading block and what Oregon State's doing in order to keep players in the world of NIL. But where we start our number three, Mike Leach, dead at 61. Danny and Dusty on the fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 